ask you something. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, all right. Um, it, it occurred to me, having watched MTV over the last few months, um, that it's it, it's got it's a solid enterprise, with it and it's got a lot going for it. I'm just floored by the fact that there's so many, so few black artists featured on it. Why is that? I think that we're trying to move in that direction. We want to play artists that seem to be doing music that fits into what we want to play for MTV. There's th the company is thinking in terms of narrow casting. That's evident. Um, it's evident in the fact that the only few black artists that one does see are on about 2.30 in the morning or, on, or to around 6. Very few are featured predominant, no. predominantly during the day. No. That, uh, that's a I'll say that over the last couple of weeks these yeah. things have been changing, but it, it's, no, uh, it's a I, slow process. I know. It's, it's funny. I think people have different perceptions. When you wind up watching, let's say you watch an hour or two or even three a day, People somehow come away with different ideas about what we are doing. We don't have any kind of day parting for anything, mm. let alone a black artist day parted out of what, what would be, quote, prime time. Mm. We don't have that. Because one sees a lot on the, on the there's a, one black station on uh, television that I keep picking up. I'm not sure which station it's on. But there's a, there seem to be a lot of black artists making very good videos that I'm surprised aren't used on MTV. Well, of course, also we have to try and do what we think not only New York and Los Angeles will appreciate, but also uh, Poughkeepsie or Midwest, pick some town in the Midwest that will be scared to death by Prince, which we're playing, or a string of other black faces. That's and black very music. interesting. Isn't that interesting? You know, we have, to, uh, we have to play the music that we think an entire country is going to like, and certainly we're a rock and roll station now. The question would be asked, well, should, uh, since we're in New York, should PLJ play, uh, you know, uh, the Isley Brothers? Well, you and I might say, yeah, because we have grown up in an era when the Isley Brothers mean something to me, and so do the Spinners, even way after the Isley Brothers. But what does it mean to a 17-year-old? Well, if you talk on the phones to these guys like I did when I was in radio, it's Well, I'll tell you what it means. i tell you what maybe the Isley Brothers or Marvin Gaye means to a black 17-year-old. Ah. And surely he's part of America as well, No question, he? no question. And that's why you're seeing those things. So you not find that it's a frightening predicament to be in? Yeah, but less so here than in radio. And is it not, well, no, don't say, well, it's not me, it's them. Is it, no, is well, it, not, is it not possible that it's, it's, it should be a conviction of the station and of other radio stations, mm. to be fair? It, it, is, it does seem to be um, uh, rampant through American media. Um, is it, it, should it not be a challenge to try and make the media far more integrated in those in music? podcast is coming for one fall with a 60 minute time limit coming out of the black corner at a combined weight of 666 pounds recording to you peacefully from the dining room adjacent from the oval office i'm your boy xander hobbs this is i'm bobby b and happy 
fucking New Year's. Once again, bringing you another edition of the Wrestleocalypse. It is upon us. And it is upon us. The first episode of the new year. We've got a lot to cover once again. Big things to cover. So let's just get into it. Yeah. And just like the new year, we had a new... um, They're not called pay-per-views anymore. They're what? Called premium viewing events or some nonsense of that sort. Is that what they're calling them? Yeah, they're no longer calling them pay-per-views because obviously if you get Peacock, you don't actually have to pay to view them. So, That's true. But they had uh, this—they had a day one and it a little bit of a failure to launch, I would say. Yeah, I mean, the buildup was lackluster, but some of, lots of the matches were good with due to what they had to offer with some of the main talent being out. So that was my take on it. It was the matches were good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think obviously a lot of the wind came out of the sails with Reigns testing positive for coronavirus. Right. Uh, obviously, as we're seeing through across all professional sports and really society at large, Omicron is spreading fast. It's affecting all of these things. So that was a little bit, I mean, that was really the only build of the entire right. show. And that was the centerpiece. And we didn't get to see the beast incarnate and the head of the table lock horns. Uh, but I agree. It's like they turned chicken shit into chicken salad in a way. And um, I don't remember liking Brock Lesnar as much as I like him. Maybe Boombox, oh. maybe Boombox Brock, but like he's fun and he's funny and he's still able to go in and do Brock Lesnar things. So, yeah, and this is like what I felt was missing from this like Biggie title reign, like because it didn't do him any favors. And you know, as you all know, he lost it to Brock Lesnar and took the pin. It's like they still had him doing this, like you know, silly, goofy shit. And like then him in the ring, it didn't it didn't translate as much as Brock Lesnar. Granted, Brock Lesnar is his own entity, but it's like I feel like they could have got something similar, like or made him like kind of in the way Bobby Lashley is in the ring, but it just didn't translate too much. And this underwhelming title reign he had came to an abrupt end in a great fatal five-way match. Uh, You know, I have to say that. Yeah, I agree. And I don't, I think there's lots of different ways and, you know, fantasy booking we can go through and see, point out all of what we believe were the, you know, mistakes they may have made in that match. And with that booking, but I think, you know, they're going to have Lesnar in a program with Lashley, which I think lots of people have wanted to see for a while. Right. And I think that they're going to have, I think Big E and uh, Seth freaking Rollins, um, if they have a program, I don't, I don't think that, I mean, obviously, yeah, we, we want Big E to, we wanted Big E to have a better title run, but it wasn't like he lost to Brock Lesnar in five seconds like Kofi. True, true. You know? But I just feel like in those title matches, you know, they're made, especially those multiple man matches, they're made so the champion doesn't take the pin. And I don't know, just with this, um, him taking the pin, it just kind of solidified just like a lackluster run, but I'm, I'll get away from that. And I'm kind of over it, to be honest with you. Um, Edge took the, t- took the victory against the Miz and we saw the return of Beth Phoenix 
you know, to counteract Maurice. So now I feel like we're going to have a inner, I mean, what do you call that? A mixed tag match between the two couples, the it couple and the grit couple. You like what I did there? Yeah, I do. I like it. It was cool. I guess uh, that was the first time in their careers that Edge and Beth Phoenix interacted with each other in the ring. So that's right. a good family moment for them. I mean, none of this, the, this feud nor this match did anything for me. It was there. It was good no. it was cool to see Beth Phoenix, but it wasn't like she was wrestling, like really wrestling. No. And then um, should we go on to the other title match? Becky Lynch, big time Bex, um, defends the title successfully against Liv Morgan. And I just feel like with Bianca Belair reemerging, I think Morgan is done in the title scene for the time being. And we all knew that she wouldn't beat Becky Lynch, but it just kind of sucks how they just built her up and kind of like just made her this, you know, she didn't really get the upper hand against Becky at all in the buildup or the feud. And so I don't understand what they're trying to do there, but it's probably back to the line for Liv Morgan, unfortunately. Yeah, I felt like in this match, I thought it was a very strong match. It was. It was. Like a it very was. good match, all things considered. Um, and I think Liv Morgan looked strong in defeat, so maybe they keep her around sniffing the title scene, upper mid-card main event every now and then, which I think yeah. is a fine place for her to be. It's better than seeing all the same usual suspects, you know? Like True. And Liv Morgan's improved by leaps and bounds, too, so... Yeah, reward her. Reward her for getting better. Reward her for working hard, you know? Right, right. Um, You know, Uso's a new day. Don't really care. There's no reason to watch it unless you like good tag team wrestling. They've got so much chemistry. They've they've gone again. It's like, it's very similar to the Owens and Sami Zayn thing. You can always go back to the well for a one-off match. It's going to be good. It's going to be entertaining. They both know what they're doing as far as when it comes to real tag team wrestling. So, right. I mean, it was good. Uh, McIntyre won his match, but it looks like he's going to be on the shelf for a while with an injury. Uh, they kind of wrote him off being attacked after the match backstage. Um, which By I mean, Happy Corbin and Mad Cat Moss. Yeah, but I mean, also, it's like, it's weird to think that it wasn't that long ago he was the, you know, champion. And like, yeah. Just, how things have gone for him have not. I mean, they even gave him a sword, but even that couldn't like boost his his uh, boost him up. In the, in the he just has kind of been falling by the wayside, just consistently. Right. And then this injury doesn't help him, so it's like you know, because I guess it's a legit neck injury he's been going through. So you know, maybe after he comes back, we'll see what they have for him because he should definitely be in a more prominent role. But, you know, we're not booking shit. They are. So it's just more of the same. Yeah, more of the same. I didn't I didn't watch Raw, um, but I caught some of the the news and notes. And, you know, I mean, eventually people are going to start declaring themselves for the Royal Rumble. It'll be interesting to see who who they uh, who they have to um, fill that in. Uh I guess Brock Lesnar is still going to be in a program with uh, Reigns while simultaneously working in Raw, which will be interesting to see how they do that. But overall, not a bad premium viewing event to start the year off, but also 
probably not the bang they really wanted to start it off with with Reigns on the shelf. Um, right, right. So good for them. We're going to continue to to watch what they do and see see what's up. But we got to move on. I'm really uh, we're going to preview Impact Hard to Kill 2022. That's going to happen uh, this weekend, January 8th. Uh, you know, I haven't really been paying too much attention to Impact. It's just always kind of on the back. I try to check, you know, check the good matches when I when I see they're getting a lot of um, heat on the on the IWC. Um, but this pay per view looks really good. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see who that. So like, um, um, guide me through that. Yeah. So I mean, really, I think uh, they've got a bunch of cool things going on. Um, they've got a three way championship for the Impact World championship with moose who's the current championship versus matt cardona versus morrissey um and they've kind of been feuding a little bit coming into this so i i feel like that'll be a good um a good match the other matches i'm really looking in forward to is uh diana parasu versus mickey james and it's yeah, a texas, texas death, death match. match i see yeah. that so we were both surprised when mickey james got the strap and this this will be another chapter in their feud um, I'm rooting for Perazzo personally, but you know, I think if they do it right, it could go either way and it could nah, still be a good. And then I'm a big Trey Miguel fan. So me too. I'm really excited about the Trey Miguel and Macklin match for the uh, Impact X Division champ. Um, but the stipulation makes me feel that Macklin's going to go over. So the stipulation is Macklin can no longer challenge for the title as long as Trey Miguel is championship. Yeah, I don't like those things. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah, and I'm looking here and it says Jonathan Gresham's going to be defending the ROH championship against Chris Saban. Yes. That should be a good match. That should be a good match as well. And then I do, because I know the the hosses and the athletes involved, the 10-man hardcore war match with Eddie Edwards, Rich Swan, Willie Mack, Heath and Rhino versus Good Brothers, and violent by design, I think should be a banger. That's and it's all you know, show. 10 man crazy tag match. It's going to be yeah. all sorts of nuts, but. And then Eddie Josh Edwards. Alexander versus Jonah that um, who's uh, I forget what his name was in NXT, but um, Bronson Reed, the ex Bronson Reed that yeah. I like Josh Alexander. So that should be good. Yeah. Yeah. And Jonah, um, you know, it was crazy because he had just won the NXT North American championship before they, unceremoniously right. uh released him so you know he's a good big guy we weren't really sold on him in, in nxt but he was you know he was getting better and he was working so hopefully he continues his upward uh upward progression against alexander but i think it's going to be a really good really good pay-per-view and they've got uh um a women's match that's going to be the number one contender for the knockouts championship with chelsea green jordan grace uh rosemary so i, I think it's just a really well-rounded card with some obvious bangers that are going to be in there. And so I'm excited to see that. So and that's uh, an X match too. So that should be pretty cool seeing how they can do this. So yeah, it looks good for impact. Hopefully they can uh, start uh, get going up the uh, ladder again. Yeah, definitely getting, you know, making some noise, getting a little bit more, um, more exposure, not just being a doormat for, for AEW talent with their we're cross-promotional stuff, right. but uh, it looks good to me. Um, I'm going to go a little bit out of order than what we got on here, but I definitely uh, – what a match last night. 
on free television. Right. Yeah. And it's like, what a big win for Adam Page in his title reign right here, going up against just like a scorching hot Brian Danielson, who was just like, just on it. Uh, just not that his career was in the dumps, but like, it's like, it seems like the guy's just like rejuvenated and gotten better. Like just with all the matches he's been putting out and I'm props to Tony Khan for not pulling the trigger and going up against going to Dan, Brian Danielson and just keeping the title on your champion in an emphatic win too. Like um, way, way protected buckshot lariat, super protected at the end takes D or BD's head off. And it just ends what a great match. Yeah, 100%. And, like, <clears throat> it was, it was, it started off and, like, as I was watching, I was like, oh, this is, this is totally the match of the night. Nothing's going to be better than this. Yeah. And then, like, and it was like, this is obviously the match of the week. There's nothing that was on day one and nothing on NXT and nothing on Raw that is even going to touch this. And I'm not, I'm not going to, I won't be so presumptuous. This will be in the top three of the year no matter i think what. so it yeah. was and and this is coming off some good matches through across the board throughout the week like you know the, the fatal five-way was good regardless of it being a five-way uh championship match um tomaso champa and braun breaker were good was good even though we're going to get into that um you know those were good matches but the danielson and hangman match just kind of was just just a cut above all of them just because of the execution of it. Yeah, exactly. And it was so well executed. And I give it the nod over their 60-minute draw because the pacing was so much better and it was so yep. much harder hitting because they didn't have to go 60 minutes. They and had I think they did this by design. Obviously they did, but it's just like because it just stepped up the um the Ur- the urgency of the match after that 60 minute draw with Danielson being like, you know, um, hi- unhinged because he went to another draw and Hangman wanting to keep the title and being desperate to keep it. So it's just like, you saw it in the match and it's like, what we talk about what's missing from all other matches is like that heat and that fire. And they brought that, they took all the past stuff that happened with the dark order the match that went 60 minutes and then just let it culminate right here on this TBS broadcast on free TV. This match could have easily been on a pay-per-view could have easily been like, you know, whatever, but it's just, it was, I don't have enough good things. There was not one thing wrong with that match. No, no. It had everything, technical wrestling, uh, false finishes, crazy hard hits. Yeah. Crazy spots. A little bit of color here, a little bit of color there, as they say. Yeah. uh, Brian was, uh, or yeah, Danielson, to quote JR, was bleeding like a stuck pig. And so, I mean, that just added to it. I'm not like, I'm not one for just throwing blood in any match, but that just, that added to the factor of it because it was done correctly. And this is what we talk about. I'm not saying every match has to be like this, but this is how you build a match and a feud, you know, and I, while I quite don't think we've seen the end of these two, I I think that's it for them for the meantime. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it really was, you know, obviously they put this match first because they wanted the crowd hot, I think. Um, Cause obviously it's weird to put your best match first, but they, 
Uh, I did like the AEW uh, episode, Dynamite episode overall. Um, the last match with, uh, I guess we're going to get to it, but um, yeah, we'll I, really, I really enjoyed the CM Punk MJF interaction. And I'm really like warming up to this feud and just letting them go at it on the mic with each other is pretty fun. Um, I liked, I liked the whole thing of CM Punk coming in and getting MJF disqualified so that he doesn't get the win in the new year, which was great. Um, and then obviously how they've been writing things with Wardlow. Wardlow's supposed to go up against Punk next week. We'll Mm -hmm. see how long Wardlow's going to sit around and be, you know, have to deal with the chairman, Sean Spears and his antics. So, you know, just again, AW continued yeah. with the momentum. Um, um, moving on, number five, nail in the coffin of the black and gold, more big name releases. What is going on with WWE? I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, the I'm not too upset about baby Steiner winning the title. Cause we all knew that was going to happen. And the match was good. He's good. Champa passed the torch. Like he was supposed to tapping out to the Steiner recliner. Rick Steiner was there. It was a good match. It was just, there's just, there's these little things that where they're just like sticking it to triple H and I don't know what's going on and we'll discuss it in our inside the ring. But like when Braun Breaker came out he like, there was like a big X, a big gold X and he kicks it. And like, you know, there's just this little, these little jabs that's in there. And like, it's just the NXT that we've liked is done. And this is the new NXT that we're going to be coming into. Um, some of it good, lots of it bad. Um, the final nail in the coffin too is William Regal getting um, released today. He's been with the company since 2001 or two, yeah, 2000, 2001. And he's part of the reason that brought the NXT to prominence. And he was even a talent scout. And he's he's behind a lot of people like Sasha Banks and, you know, all the people that were in NXT, Bailey and everything like that, that we can go down the list that are successful now. And it's just like, they're just really getting rid of like every single thing that Triple H built. And it's just... I don't know. It's I don't know what to think of it, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's weird because as a fan who liked NXT, it makes me not want to like anything about the new one. Because basically, to me, what they're saying is that what I like doesn't matter. What I like is wrong. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, right. well, go fuck yourself then. Like when I was watching it. When I was watching uh, Tuesdays, I was watching this morning, and it was like I knew Roddy Strong wasn't going to win because right. he's still, even though he's part of the Diamond, he's still the old. He's still he's the old NXT. The old NXT. So yeah, you know, and and <clears throat> the way they're bringing in very very green wrestlers. It, that shows in the product. Yes, Steiner is great. He's also had the benefit of going with Tommaso Ciampa to kind of right. start his NXT career. He hasn't really had to carry a match himself. Like, I don't know what is going to happen if he were to get into the ring with a Grayson Waller or one of these other new hosses that they've brought in. 
Um, well, that's the thing, though. They're not. I don't think that's going to happen because they're protecting the hell out of him. And you know, the, his first title defense will be against someone that can kind of carry it. And I think they're slowly going to because you know you have Grayson Waller tied in with something else. I just think that's what they're doing because you know, not yeah, Steiner is really awesome and he checks all the boxes, but he's got the backing of the machine, so they're not going to make. Um, mistakes with him that they made with other people. Uh, at least I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, you know, I could definitely buy into that. Um, but I guess if it's not Champa, who's 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 he going to feud with? I mean, you still have La Knight there, even though he's not, you know, in the title picture. You have Pete Dunne. You've got. I'm just trying to think. Are you? Have, but I don't think they're going to put up. Um, what's his name? The uh, see, I even forgot his name. The crazy guy that we like, his name was Sam Shaw, but oh, uh, Dexter Loomis, Dexter Loomis. But I don't think they're gonna put him with Steiner, you know. So I don't know, like, I don't, I have no idea. Like, all I caught was I caught the tag team match, I caught Carmelo Hayes, and I caught Baby Steiner and Champa, and that's all I watched. Yeah, so those were were the three best matches, and I thought they were all very good. Oh yeah. And they can still put on good matches because they, because Cameron, uh, what was his name? Cameron or Carmelo Hayes is good. Mm-hmm. Like he can talk on the stick. He's a good wrestler. He can generate nat- like good heat. So I don't have a problem with him. I don't have a problem with Steiner. I don't even have a problem with uh, Grace and Wall- Wallers, even though that's cheap heat, but like, it's still, you know, we'll see what he can do. You know, because he's going in the ring with Styles. So they're pairing the guys up that they want to succeed with, you know, guys that will make them look good, which is like what they should be doing with, you know, everyone. Not, I mean, not, you know what I mean? Like not everyone can be at the top of the card, but pair some of these green guys with guys that can work the, work the ring so they can be good. Don't just throw them out there like they've been doing with a lot of Triple H's NXT talent. They can work, but like they set them up to fail. They're definitely not holding their hands like they're doing with these guys. Yeah, it's definitely night and day and uh, not L.A. night and day, obviously. Um, But like I said, this just kind of, like you said, the nail in the coffin. I'll continue to give a a one eye to it. And it's a short show and it's Tuesdays, so I can keep it in the rotation for now. But just not, like I said, obviously what I like isn't what they're trying to give, trying to do, produce. So I can use that time to watch more of the stuff that I do like. Right. And to finish the top five off, I saved it for the last because we're not going to really get into it. I was really interested in Wrestle Kingdom because we were going to have Okada and Osprey waiting on night two um, for Wrestle Kingdom. They've The first two nights are done. And Okada did win on night one. He defeated Shingo Takagi. Um, and then on night two, he was able to uh, get it done against Osprey. So yeah, I don't think which was so, was just surprising to me. Yeah, me too. Especially because uh, they pulled the trigger on Osprey, and then he got injured. And obviously, in wrestling, injuries can always derail and sideline the program. You know. Well, um, what I think happened was too is as the matches I've watched, I watched a lot of the um, main matches because. You know, and um, New Japan likes to do their stable matches a lot in the preliminary uh, matches. But um, it looks like they pulled like a reset 
and just went back to their um, to their old reliables, like with Okada winning the title, Tanahashi beating Kenta, you know, in a match, uh, Naito beating Jeff Cobb. They kind of like was go. They were, they had all the um, up and comers or the guys that they were pulling the trigger on back in a couple of years ago. They're kind of you know kind of took the L's this this time around. But um, I don't know what's going to happen because I'm just I'm just checking out matches, so I'm not sure what they're which way they're going to go with this. But O'Connor with the title doesn't bother me whatsoever. Um, Osprey is still pretty young, so. You know, you'll have another chance at it. Um, and that's that's all I really... I, the, the Naito beating Jeff Cobb was, was the surprise that I had. I was going to say, I was surprised about that too. And I've, be, I've really grown to really enjoy Jeff Cobb. Uh, Jeff Cobb's great. Like, and that might be because he's doing double duty with that in MLW as Matanzo Cueto. So uh, Matanzo, whatever they're calling him now. Cause he's gonna, cause um, what's his name? Hammerstone beat him down. So he might be coming back. So I don't know. Like I, I just only got to chat. I don't know about any storylines in new Japan. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, but um, what's good about Japan is you don't really have to know about the storyline. So what, if you like good wrestling and that's the matches I saw were phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, unfortunately it's hard to, to, it's hard to really enjoy the wrestling, the the storyline and re- like professional wrestling aspects of New Japan Pro Wrestling for us in America. But when Wrestle Kingdom and some of their other big uh, nights come up, the matches are always super solid, and they've got so much talent to draw from. Um, yeah, like, like we've talked about it before. You can check the archives. Just the crowd gives it a different feeling than you're going to get in an American pay per view where. The crowd is paying to be able to chant, this shit's awesome, wrestle forever. They want to they want to do that role, whereas it, the Japanese crowd does it a little bit differently, and it really kind of affects how the matches um, come across, at least on television. Right, right. I agree with that. But um, I'll definitely get in and try to check out more of it, because there's some other matches I want to see, like Chaos against the Dangerous Techers. You know, I'm big... I'm a big Zack Sabre Jr. fan, technical wrestler extraordinaire. And then I wanted to see the El Esperado Hiromu Takashi match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. So, I mean, I'll check those out hopefully sooner than later and uh, bring my thoughts to you guys about it. But let's get into our odds and ends. Yeah, let's rip it. Um, So one of the ones I was thinking about, and I was looking at one of my favorite online uh, shopping spots and that's pro wrestling tees and just with all of this talent migration there's just so many cool new wrestling t-shirts and part of liking wrestling is that you get to wear wrestling t-shirts after watching nxt i am wearing my imperium shirt so um i really like the new gargano heart of wrestling shirt i thought that one is a really awesome um adam cole has some good shirts uh we've all seen the cm punk one which is really kind of just a riff on some of his earlier older w- ones. Yeah. Older WWE ones, but one of my favorites and it was uh, on sale until yesterday it was a limited edition. I didn't pull the trigger cause I just wasn't going to spend $40 on a t-shirt right now, but it was like a Miro versus Zangief shirt where it's animated like street fighter two. And it just, it, it fits Miro and it fits 
the whole video game thing. And it was just looked super cool. It was an awesome shirt. Yeah, it was a dope shirt. And I didn't pull the trigger on it either because I just have too many goddamn shirts. So I couldn't get myself to wear it, but it did look dope. Hopefully they sell it in like a picture version. Sorry, because I definitely get that and frame it and hang it somewhere. Yeah, it's super awesome. But really excited about that. Going to continue to watch uh, Pro Wrestling Tees. We're not sponsored. We're not paid for this. It's just something that we enjoy and we like. Um, so check it out. And it's cool because they've got a lot of legacy wrestlers have, you know, um, items on there that you can get. Like, for instance, if you're a real big Ric Flair fan, he's got a bunch of stuff on there. Stone Cold's got stuff on there. Um, yeah, and what's cool is like, they don't really sell out of stuff unless it's a limited edition because they'll screen them when you order them. So, you know, they don't really run out of anything, which is a bonus. Yeah, super bonus. And then it is cool when things are limited edition because they're actually truly like li- limited yeah. edition. It's not like WWE or something like WWE limited edition that they're going to make, you know, a couple hundred thousand or whatever it may or may not be. Right. Of their Seth freaking Rollins t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm not buying one of those. I'm not buying one either. All right, on to our next one. Um, I'm going to go with the other one. We have Brian Pillman Jr. He's been featured a little bit more, and he just had his match against Malachi Black. Um, he took the L, but he's paying some dues. But he's in a he's in a decent spot because Malachi Black is a top name, and he's up, he's like in the upper mid card. So it's cool to see Pillman Jr., you know, working his way up. Like, and I'm interested to see what they do with him more. And of course, we're all we're big fans of Malachi Black. So it was cool to see that. Yeah, I, I like that match. I definitely uh, when I saw you put this up there, I was like, I had the same kind of thoughts. I was surprised how strong he looked against Malachi Black through the match. Same kind of what? I said I was surprised at how good he looked. Yeah. Against Malachi Black. They let him, uh, yeah, they let him get a lot in. Yeah, he, you know, lot, and, you know, he took the loss as he should have. Yes. Um, but they're also kind of building a little bit of a feud with the Varsity Blonde stable versus Malachi Black with the spitting of the green stuff and the eye patch. Um, so, like, yeah, definitely paying his dues. He's got some work to do. And I know he's working. We're seeing him more and more on, on you know, he's always been on dark and, and now he's getting a little bit more, but I think he could just clean up his moveset a little bit and clean up some of his transitions. But I mean, yeah. it's cool to see. There. It's cool to see for sure. Um, he's just like a fucking shit brick house, though, man. Oh yeah, he's gotten bigger. Like, he is. So. He's just like a fucking square. Because I've been watching him since MLW, and yeah, he's he's gotten bigger, and he, I just seeing his improvement is great. So hopefully they just keep pumping more of him because. He's one of the young ones and one of the guys from day one from um, AEW. So, you know, this is this guy's going to be the future if they do it right. Yeah, and I think that's an underrated testament to what they're doing at AEW is to see a lot of the growth, especially in ring growth. Like MJF was MJF has improved in the ring. You know, oh, yeah, he gets by a lot on his mic. But like when you go back to watching him two years ago versus now you can see the improvement, you know, Oh, leaps and bounds, and, you know, and these guys work. Cause then like Tony Khan was saying, like, you know, you, you're going to learn in the ring and, you know, they have a few veterans that are there. Like, so I'm sure they're giving them the pointers and 
you know, this is what they're supposed to be doing. If they weren't improving from the from the time that their company came up, then we doubt we'd be talking about a different thing. And that's definitely not good. But, you know, this is what they're supposed to be doing. And it's good to see. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, they're just they are coming on strong and they're coming on strong. We're going to quick. Uh, they've got the Saturday a Battle of the Belts. Yeah. So we're going to have. We had Dynamite Wednesday, we're going to have Rampage Friday, and then we're going to have Battle of the Belt Saturday, which we're going to have um, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, going up against Riho, who she's never defeated, which she'll probably defeat. And then we have, who else do we have? We Do we have a tag team match? I don't know yet. Right now, the only ones that they have official on the Wikipedia is this one, and then Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara. Right. That's the rubber match, right? Right. So I imagine they're going to fill out the rest of the um, the card Friday. Right. And then coming off AEW just a little bit, we had um, MLW recorded in, or, uh, yeah, recorded in Tijuana. So we had a lot of their, um, the mainstays from their wrestle, like, psycho clown and you know a bunch of lucha guys and the main event had um hammerstone and pagano versus mil mortes and taurus and you know which is interesting because in the nlw verse hammerstone is um i gotta get this guy's name right i can't stop i i don't want to call him dario cueto hold on we're talking about bronson reed former no um this guy, the guy who's um, Cesar Duran, the guy who's running the on-screen authority figure of NLW. Hammerstone and Cesar Duran have a little deal going. And he, so at the end of the match, Pagano attacked uh, Hammerstone and Mil Muertes and Taurus put the boots to him and Cesar Duran's goons carried him out of the ring. So that was the cliffhanger of the episode this week. I don't know when they're coming back to the States, but I don't know. I guess we'll see next week. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I liked that match. It was kind of hard to follow at times. Yes. Camera work wasn't great. And they had people like Hammerstone and Milmertes were battling out on the apron with chairs. And then we had Toros and, you know, Pagano on the, uh, in the ring. There was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of good move sets and good, you know, good wrestling, but it was tough to follow. Pretty chaotic. Uh, A lot of that shit's tough to follow. That's why I can like only watch so much like legit Lucha Libre because it's all over the place. Like, you know, the, the six man tag match was just, it was just like, it was a car crash. So, I mean, that's just, that's how they wrestle. I get it. But yeah, it was a little, I agree with you in that assessment where it was a little hard to follow. Yeah, definitely. Um, I did see uh, on the social media, I want to say they've got, um, they're going to have a match, I think, between uh, Fatu, yeah, Fatu and Mads Kruger. Right. Um, I saw on that. On January 21st at Blood and Thunder. Um, right which is really turning out to be looking like a pretty solid card because they also have Alex Kane versus Calvin Tankman. 
Right. That's a good feud. Yeah. So I'm looking to see how they fill that card out. And we'll definitely be talking about that more as the month progresses. But we got to get back on to finish up our first half. Back to the odds and ends. Back to AEW. Back to a new champion. Or new champions, I should say. Right. So they pulled the trigger on Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. And I kind of had a feeling that they would because of the way they set up the match and just the way they built up those two. And it was cool to see them win the titles because, you know, Ray Phoenix and uh, Penta have beaten pretty much everyone that they are in line to beat, you know, that can fight contend for the titles. And it was cool to see them win. That was a disgusting ass landing that Ray Phoenix had. And apparently it's just, he says it's just a dislocated elbow and he's not fully diagnosed, but that thing looked gnarly. Yeah. It looked like he snapped his fucking arm in half. Yeah. It was nasty. Janine even saw it and she like cringed. So, I mean, and then another thing I want to bring up is like, I liked at the end when they were celebrating with the titles and all the other tag teams came out, which immediately put the mark on them as marked men when, as it is when you always have the title and it was just cool because like it was, they were celebrating, but they kind of left a comma in place, you know? So I'm sure next Wednesday we'll see the two new people stepping up who are going to challenge them for the titles. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. I liked seeing that as well. I, uh, there was some slow claps going on, some pointings, some, disgustingly shaking their heads. So, and it was just cool to see the whole division kind of out there. Like yes. really yeah. seeing like how they've built this tag division with some, obviously some of the best tags weren't obviously uh, Lucha Bros had just wrestled. They weren't in there and I didn't see the young bucks. Either. No. So we uh, saw everybody, but them and hybrid too. You know, just for futuristic booking, I'd like to, I, I don't, I have a feeling the titles won't be on them for long. And I would like to see the, what's it, the former LAX win the titles. Cause I think they're overdue for that. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got some weird thing working with the, on the Jericho thing with Eddie Kingston. Right. Again, so there, AW, yeah. lots of storylines going on, but that's our first half. We're not trying to go super long tonight, so we're going to take a quick powder and we're going to come back with the coolest shit on the other side of the pillow. Thoughts of the shadows of ceilings, always darker, emptier, and simpler. I don't care if they're fake or real. I just think that they're showing up at all.
Once again, we're back with your favorite segment, my favorite segment, Bobby's favorite segment, and the Dark Lord's favorite segment. What do we like to call it? We like to call it cool shit. Yep. And we all, as you know, the new year, same rules. Cool shit starts off with... The motherfucking mailbag. All right, let's get into it. Randy the Ram. Ram, Rammer Jammer, Ram Jam. Yep. I really enjoyed your guys' year in review. Thank you. For the most part, fuck you. The only part I disagree with is your match of the year pick. I thought Dragunov Walter 2 was much better wrestling and storyline-wise. I just want to ask how you guys missed that one, or did you even think of it? So, I mean, if you if you agree with the statement that Walter Dragon of Walter 2 was much better wrestling and storyline wise. I don't. That was me. That's me personally. I definitely appreciate we've talked about Dragon of Walter 2. It's a special match for special reasons. But as an overall professional wrestling match, I, you know, we went with the the Hangman Page Belt Collector Omega match. To say that somehow the Dragon of Walter 2 is better storyline wise, I think that's preference, not. That's not quantitative. That's qualitative. I think the two years that it took for them to develop the hangman story from the time he lost to Jericho to the time he had that title is pretty fucking epic. So, yeah. And, and I think both wrestling matches and both storylines were great because Dragonoff had that same climb, but not to the extent that hangman did. And I thought like, Trust me, Dragon Off Walter 2 was up there. Like, we're not saying like what our top three was. We're saying what our match of the year was. And I just thought the package presented by um, Hangman and Kenny Omega was better. And hence why the match got put up over Dragon Off Walter, you know, like just because we were waiting for it. I mean, and it's not saying just because Dragon Off Walter wasn't on like a bigger platform. It was just, I just, it was, it was more cathartic for me watching that versus Dragunov and Walter, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. And I think that Dragunov and Walter is, is a different style of wrestling yeah. that, that not everybody is going to like as much, you know? And right. I think what, what Hangman and Omega gave us was a more complete, professional wrestling match that could appeal to a wider audience and really included more of what we want to see in a modern professional wrestling match. And, and mind you too, on top of that, it's just like when we say match of the year, it's, it's the whole thing. It's not just the action in the ring. It's the lead up. It's the things that happen in between that leads us to the match. You know what I mean? Like if uh, hangman and Omega just did that, match without any buzz or like any heat, you know, we'd probably be having a different conversation. And to me, like Dragunov and Walter was built through the matches, which is still good. But like, I just thought the payoff was a little bit better for Omega and Hangman. Yeah, I totally agree. Just thinking about like they were tag team champion partners and just the whole storyline to me, put it over the top. Rainy the Ram, respect your opinion. Loved the Dragon Absolutely. Walter 2 match. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. But um, the jury still reaffirms 
the original match of the year, which is Hangman and Omega. Right. Moving on to the surfing cowboy with Ring of Honor on hiatus and Okada wanting to wrestle Danielson and Punk. What are some possible interpromotional matches you guys would like to see? Okada versus Danielson and Punk, 100%. Like, Obviously. And that was really cool to see that it, that he publicly said that he wanted to wrestle those. Uh, and also understanding that they're both closer to the end of their careers than the beginning. And so recognizing the time is of the essence. So if they can make that happen, let's go Tony Khan. That would okay. just be incredible. I mean, I'd like to see Osprey, Osprey and Omega, you know, like I'd like to see those two go at it. Like Danielson and anyone at this point is going to be good. Like, and then, well, like we talked about in the last episode, I'd like to see the Briscoes against the Luchas. I'd like to see the Briscoes against the Bucks. I'd like to see the Briscoes against FTR, like the Briscoes against, you know, even Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Like they could, they could have a little stay in that tag team division and go and wrestle people. Like, I mean, the Briscoes, I think, are that missing piece that people, the crowd will pop when they, if they come through that door. Yeah, a hundred percent. Would really love to see some sort of like Bullet Club feud. You know, yeah, some of the older members of the Bullet Club going against the new New Japan Pro Wrestling like El Fantasmo. And, um, you know, that click over there, I think that would be really good. And I think it would just make make me want to buy Bullet Club shirts. But uh, I think that would be a really good one. Um, yeah, the G.O.D. versus the Briscoes would be tight. G.O.D. versus the um, Penta and Phoenix. Like, you know, that that would be awesome. I mean, we, had Jeff, we, see, we saw Jeff Cobb a little bit before there. I mean... It, it just they, there's just a plethora of things that could happen, you know, with New Japan, with even I mean, we saw impact a little bit. It was a little lackluster, but there's so many guys in like New, New Japan and like, you know, you can bring Dalton Castle in from Ring of Honor and have him, you know, wrestle some, you know, maybe have him wrestle MJF or something like that. That would be cool. I don't know. It's the, the list is endless. Yeah, I mean, Fatu versus Roman Reigns, for instance. I, I don't know. Just, uh, the real head of the table match. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, and that's one of the crappy things. It's like, if you add WWE, I would love to see um, Styles and Omega. Right. Wrestling. See that again. Yeah. You know, or I'd love to see, I'd love to see like a clash of styles with like, you know, um, Randy Orton versus Will Ospreay. Like I thought, especially with Will Ospreay now, you know, um, I would love to see Matt Riddle go up against, you know, shoot. I, I just lost it. Uh, I don't know. I lost it. It's okay. I would love to see Hikaru Shida versus Io Shirai. Right. Right. You know, like just but WW, I mean, I know WWE said they were like in some negotiations, but I just can't see them going that route. I just don't think that's really in their DNA. But um, certainly, above all, I 100% agree that we all want to see Okada and Danielson and Punk. So let's do it. Right, Matt, Matt, Mom, I'm sorry, Matt Riddle against Naito. So there, I found it. So yeah. Boom. Okay, let's move on. 
Yes. That was going to bother me. Uh, to live and die in LAX asks, I have some long-term booking for you guys. Hear me out. Never starts good when you're already like, hey, no. hear me out. But we're going to go through this for you, buddy. That's because we appreciate all of our listeners and anyone who takes the time to send us a question. What if Braun Breaker is the one to dethrone Roman Reigns? Not immediately, but if they have him make sporadic appearances on SmackDown, then have him join the brand full-time toward the ends of the year, which I guess would be the draft, I imagine. Have him enter the Royal Rumble, win the Royal Rumble, then face off with Reigns at Mania and take the strap. I don't think that's too crazy. I think it's too crazy if we're going to have the uh, Reigns uh, hold the title through three manias. I yeah. think that's kind of crazy. I think it's right totally, there. I think it's totally crazy. Braun Breaker has literally been wrestling on television for six weeks. Right. That like, too. Even yeah. if he is as good as he is, there's no way that you can establish him in any in any credible way to take to then dethrone somebody who would have had the title for two and a half years. Right. And have gone through every like, legend, every other top flight. Like, it's just no, it's, yeah. It's crazy. It, it's too much. It's too soon. It is crazy. Um, we heard you out. And while we're huge Braun Breaker fans, I think that's way too much, way too soon. He needs to just, he needs to iron out his kinks in NXT. And, you know, with the machine, it's like, then the WWE would explode because the machine's back in him and the machine's back in Reigns. And then there's Brock Lesnar. It's just, it's too much big guys, too much meat. And so, yeah, this, let's pump the brakes. Let's like, like pump the brakes with him, pump the brakes with Hook. These guys are young. Let's enjoy it. Let's just yeah. not put, you know, let's not ruin them. But I would not be surprised if Braun Breaker is, does make an appearance in the Royal Rumble maybe eliminates one or two guys, gets eliminated, has a good showing, gets a taste of it, start, you know, start the transition. He's going to eventually be a main roster guy. Of course, yeah. Like, I can see that happening, but to try to pencil him in for a a main eventing mania in in 18 months, I just don't see it. Way too soon. All right, rounding out the mailbag. Something, something dark side. Hut one, hut two, parter coming in. Like what I did there. Yes. Not really. Yes, I <laughs> Slow clap that. Yeah. Anyways, did you guys see Antonio Brown's meltdown Sunday? And do you think he'll be picked up by another team? Yes, I saw it. No, absolutely not. Um, I'll, I'll agree to disagree. It's like, I saw it and I think he will be picked up by by another team. If he puts himself out there, I mean, because teams are desperate and I, I think the last thing on his mind should be right now is to play football because he's got some, um, mental issues that he's got to tackle. And I'm not saying this in a diminutive way. Like something's not right up there. And, you know, he's, he's gotten chance after chance and I read his statement and I don't buy it because I'm not there. I'm not buying Arians. It's like, like I said, there's three sides to every story, his side, the other guy's side and the truth in between. That being said, um, I think he needs to fix his house and get his house in order 
And, you know, then if he does come back and does get better, then yes, he will get picked up because he's still a fairly young guy. But as of right now, I just don't think football should be on his mind. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, And the reason I said I don't think anyone's going to go for him is because what I kind of thought about – what I thought about like – so basically his last coaches have been like Tomlin, champion, champion, obviously well-established coach. Belichick, champion – well-established coach Arians with Tom Brady, which is part, which is part of the whole deal. Anyways, why any, either of the last two teams went for him is because Brady vouched for him. So I just like, what's, where is he going to go? Like there's, there's just not that many good established coaches. I mean, maybe like, you know, Andy Reed, maybe, but like, I don't think he wants to bring that to that team. Like, I, Andy Reid won't put up with that. That's the thing. And like, I don't want to see him anywhere near Dallas or his name near Dallas. Cause no, that's Mike the McCarthy, last thing that Mike McCarthy's not capable of handling that. No, he can barely handle the team he's got right now. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I agree with you though. Like something's obviously needs to happen to level him out, whatever it is. But when you take your pads off and your jersey and you run off the field, like that's a pretty big red flag. Oh, for sure. Over the other plethora of red flags that have been out since he's been playing. Right. Right. So hope he finds the help he needs. Uh, something, something dark side. Thanks for the question. Just like everybody who sent in to the mailbag. Xander, if they want to send in questions, where can they do it? You can find me on the Instagram tip um, under Xander Hobbs. That's X-A-N-D-E-R underscore H-O-W-B-E-S. And then you can also find me on the Twitter machine under Hobbs Xander. That's one word. That's capital H-O-W-B-E-S, capital X-A-N-D-E-R. Bobby, where can they find you? They can find me at the Wrestle or at just Wrestleocalypse on Twitter and Instagram. Spelt like it sounds. Um, and I'm going to start putting in the show notes, I'll start putting our handles. So Yeah, and, and in case, because that cut out, you can find them at the Wrestleocalypse on Instagram, spelt like it sound. And then you can find it on the handles like he's so eloquently put. Yes, but I'm not getting cut out. By the way, everyone, this whole nonsense is going to stop. Spect- I got Spectrum coming in next week to uh, jack up my bandwidth like, a, like an 80s uh, Hulk Hogan, if you will. That's pretty fucking go. jacked up. And that last segment or that last question was a nice segue into our next segment, which is our offsides and delay of game as we're winding down to the last week of the season, getting into the playoffs. Um, Let's start this one off. Yeah, man, definitely disappointed in the Cowboys losing that tough game last week. Some kind of zany things happened, some questionable officiating. Um, you know, they're locked into the fourth seed. They got a game, a, a division game against the Eagles this week that they don't need to play. I've read I've read analyses from both sides, whether to, you know, get in a rhythm, try to fix the offense or rest everyone. Make sure you're well rested going into week one. Um, I don't know what the answer to that is, but I know that definitely they're not going to go far if they can't figure out a way to to consistently move the football. 
I do not understand why they do not run the ball more, but I'm not a professional football coach or player or pundit for that matter. Um, yeah, they didn't, they don't look good at all. And this is not the definitely not the way you want to be playing going into the playoffs. And the bottom line is they do this a lot. This is not anything new and it's very irritating as a fan. And in my opinion, they need to, they need to just sit out their guys um, on Saturday and this game's not needed. And, you know, they have people that they have people that they need to play. They're already down Michael Gallup with a torn ACL yeah. and um, a questionable officiating aside, the offense is still inept at this point. So, you know, that's not going to get you far. Uh, anyways, there's other things. The Packers have gotten a bye week and um, the Titans continue to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Nice win over Miami who've been playing pretty well through the, the last seven, six, seven weeks. Um, one thing I do want to say, you know, who's not taking a bye week, Aaron Rodgers for me in a fucking douchebag. He's going to keep that train rolling straight through no breaks. He's got, That's right. apparently he's, he's got Ayn Rand, Fountainhead or or whatever book on his bookshelf, though, when he got a little heat, he made sure to let everybody know that he never actually read it. Not surprised. Not surprised. Not not surprised one bit. Yeah. I did think it was funny as I was kind of looking through the standings and the schedule. Um, ESPN always puts kind of the links that where you can go get tickets. And so on the 3rd of January is when I was looking at this. For week 18 games, $8, $8 would get you a ticket to the Jets versus Bills in Buffalo. $8 won't even get you a meal from McDonald's. That's true. <laughs> the Titans are playing at Houston. You can get those tickets for $14. A little bit more expensive, but still, I would call that pretty affordable. $18 right. will get you... I mean, I feel like you should get paid eighteen dollars to watch the Indianapolis versus Jacksonville game. I feel that too. But Agreed. I mean, and I think we contrast that. I thought it was really interesting that uh, for last night's dynamite at Daly's place, uh, tickets were still available, but for thirty-four dollars. Just saying, outpacing the NFL a little bit there, guys. Like to see that, right? But we will cover uh, more of the happenings of what happens after next week as well as we're winding down to this this segment, which will be ending after the Super Bowl, but it'll always be back. But moving on to our match of the week, we have a good one for you today. I thought this was um, perfect for the recent releases. We're taking you back December 23rd, 1996 to Monday Nitro. It's Steven Regal, known as William Regal in the WWE, versus Dean Malenko, a guy we haven't featured too much on here, but we have talked about. Yeah, definitely. Dean Malenko, uh, we've we've touched on him in a couple of times. A lot of time, uh, I think we touched on him when we were talking about Chris Benoit, obviously. Um, big name, big time performer in WCW. Um, what was crazy, and I didn't, I didn't watch a lot of WCW at, in this era. I was basically a strictly WWF guy. Um, I was kind of, I, I was, I kind of was aware of it. You know, you're always aware of Sting, really. Um, but it was crazy because, like, when I, they had a ton of matches. Like, yeah. I was trying to find the one is like, the one that came up mostly was it like uh, 
August 19th was they had one, but they had the one on uh, Monday Night Nitro on December 23rd, 1996. And, you know, having never seen it before, I thought it was a good match. I did. It wasn't exceptionally long. No. And um, it was more storyline based because Regal was the TV champion. And um, but it was one of those matches because I like to put a variety of stuff on. It's a pretty catch as catch can wrestling match with a couple of strikes, but a lot of reversals and everything. So if you like good mat wrestling, this is the match to check out. You can find this on um, what is it? YouTube. You can find it on Daily Motion, probably on Peacock as well. And it went to a draw. And it's just if you want to see like what we're talking about, especially if you're a newer wrestling fan of what um, people think they're clamoring for when they say they don't like high spots and stuff, but stuff that I grew up watching, I would say to check this match and we're not saying like you have to like it or anything, but just check it out for like a different kind of wrestling. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, I feel like this was kind of where the transition was starting to happen in a way. Um, but I did. I do like the fact that wasn't he Lord Stephen Ring? Was he going by yes. Lord Stephen Ring? Regal? Okay, I thought I heard he that. Was, he was like this. Yeah, he was like this aristocrat. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, you're right. But also, again, it just shows like WCW really carved themselves out a little bit different niche. Neither of these guys are these hulking giants that you would see and were really made famous in WWF. Um, you know, catches catch can wrestling. For instance, I feel like. Um, our friend Randy the Ram, he probably would love this match. If you like yes, Dragon he Up Walter too, this is yeah. if you like that style of wrestling, you're gonna see chops, catch, catch, can. Uh, this is the this is the type of match, and kind of this whole era in WCW really featured that in a lot of ways. Yeah, their mid card was really good. It was almost better than their main card, you know, with a few exceptions because of the NWO just running rush off. This is for granted it was it's in, in its infancy. But I found myself liking the middle card and the opening matches more than the main events. But that's just me. And, you know, lots of these guys still have careers in wrestling. Regal just got released, but he's got a great wrestling mind. Same with Malenko. And, um, yeah, it's just something. It's just one of these things to add to your arsenal of professional wrestling knowledge. Yeah, definitely. It's a good one. Check it out. And it's only 10 minutes or so. So Yeah, it's not too much time doesn't take long to get through it but we don't only watch wrestling we keep our eyes glued to the boob tube whenever we have time uh what have you been watching my friend um well i just finished the fourth season of cobra kai knocked that out and is it just dropped a week ago i think or maybe even two um really good i'm not going to give too much away but if you enjoyed the prior seasons this one is even a is a doozy i think it's their best one yet uh, we have more um, people from uh, the movies coming back, and I won't tell you who. You have to go watch that. I'm sure you've either watched it or you are watching it. I watched. Uh, we were watching the new season of Queer Eye. I like that show because it's not just about the makeovers. They have a guy that shows them how to cook. They have a guy that shows them how to decorate. And like, it ends up being pretty cool. Like just the, the things that they do with these guys. Um, it's interesting to me. And then I got a couple frontline PBS shows. We have, I watched one on Flint's uh, water emergency crisis deal that they had in 2015, 
with a bunch of people dying from Legionnaire's disease, which is a pneumonia caught from bacteria that grows in water. And um, if you've seen their water that they had there, I've seen like I was telling Janine that like my urine looks better than it. And then the other uh, frontline PBS I saw, which is appropriate for today, was it's called January 6th Insurrection, What's Happened Since? And it shows you pretty much what's led up to what happened last year on January 6th and what has been happening now and how things are people that believe that this thing wasn't as bad as it is. It was are doubling down on it and just saying all kinds of weird stuff. I'm not going to get into what my thoughts are about it. You should already know that. But um, if you want to watch something informative, I should say you should check that out. And then the last one to round it out was a Vice News one. It's on Michael K. Williams' black market. And this one was uh, shoplifting to pay for drugs. So they followed this couple that would steal like grocery items like meats and stuff in the UK and sell them to for their drug fix. And uh, Michael K. Williams' black market show was pretty cool like because he um, kind of goes he's kind of like, you know, shoulder to shoulder with these guys when they're doing their thing and stuff like that. And he's interviewing them and, you know, you know, they're explaining why they're doing the things that they do. Um, if you don't know who Michael K. Williams is, he was on the show, The Wire. And then in the movie, 12 Years a Slave, Django. Um, he's a really um, intelligent, interesting cat. Unfortunately, he died this uh, last year from uh, fentanyl, cocaine and heroin overdose. But um, besides that, I suggest if you like uh, kind of gritty to the bone stuff uh, that Vice News usually does, this one's especially good. Awesome. Yeah, that uh, I agree. Uh, Betty Revel has been watching the Cobra Kai um, and I did. We've caught a few, a little bit of the Queer Eye. And I want to say they tight, they even tight changed the title. It's like more than a makeover or something this season. Yeah, that's what they're calling it. Right. So very cool. Very cool. I love the Frontline stuff. PBS and Frontline. Uh, oh, their, fabulous. Their hour programs are always solid. Um, and same thing with Vice News. And they always tackle some of the more um, edgier news stories. Right. 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 Uh, well, what have what, we what, been your watching turn. over here? We uh, fired up the old Mars Attacks movie. What, awesome uh, movie. Tim Burton's, uh, I guess, lesser known movies, but it is freaking awesome. It is such a great satire. Jack Nicholson plays multiple characters that are all amazing. Uh, we got Michael J. Fox. It's a star-studded cast. Um, really, really funny. Kind of like a, a satire of Independence Day. Um, and it's just great. Uh, we really enjoyed that. Uh, we're watching this show on Discovery+. Plus. It just started dropping this week. It's called Ugliest House in America. And it is crazy, some of the, the houses that people have literally spent money not only to build to be ugly, but now people have spent money to actually live in. One of the houses has a giant, like, 12-foot statue of Poseidon. As you come up to the house, they have a huge sailfish concreted into the wall. So it's not even, like, removable. Um... There's another house that was is built in the shape of a pyramid. There's another house that basically seems to have been possibly like a brothel or uh, adult entertainment venue. Um, so just really funny. The host is really good. Um, they're going to these, you know, all over the country. And the winner who has the ugliest house in America gets uh, a renovation by one of those 
HGTV stars, but it's just fun, entertaining to see some of these crazy houses that are out there. Um, we started uh, Peter Jackson's Beatles documentary, Get Back, on Disney+. Plus. Um, and, what you know, for me, it's really interesting. I like the Beatles, and I really like documentaries. And it's a lot, all of it is based up of footage that they were shooting as the run up to their final live performance together. Um, and one of the things that really struck me, and this is with a lot of these music documentaries, when you start really diving in and watching the process is like, whether you like the Beatles music or not, like they had played so much together and they were such good musicians with that. Just watching how effortlessly it seems for them to put the effort in to write the songs, if that makes sense. Uh, it's just really cool to see the process. I really like it. Definitely worth checking out, but it's about six and a half to eight hours for the whole thing, I guess. So we're just getting started on it. And then my last two are from the YouTube. There's this, uh, there's a guy named Lewis Howes. Uh, he has a YouTube channel. It's a lot of interviews, a lot of self-help stuff. He talks a lot about making money, business, law of attraction. Um, and he did an interview with Rob Durdeck, who obviously Fantasy Factory, Ridiculousness, uh, Rob and Big. And it, it's just crazy to hear the story of how he has evolved to the point now where he is responsible for like 60% of the content that's on MTV. He's basically built and sold five companies since 2016 for $450 million. And just kind of talking about his process and how he went from, you know, like a skater a celebrity who was, you know, basically living the life, blowing cash, spending money, being told that he was basically uninvestable in because the way he, you know, just how his financial affairs and everything was just in such um, disarray and how he turned that around to now have this kind of this like this machine really that is building businesses, helping people. He's got a foundation. He's got some nonprofits. Uh, so it was just a really good interview and kind of some of the things he touched on, you know, I think could definitely help me and probably help a lot of different people with things like time management um, you know, really carving out time for the non-negotiables in your life. So that one was really good. And the other one is a podcast called My First Million. Also kind of like self-help, business, financial um, advice. Uh, but they had Hassan Minaj, um, former Daily Show correspondent, host of the Patriot Act, that was literally basically taken off the air because the Saudi government pressured um, Netflix. So... Uh, and his is really good because he's got his new comedy special that's touring. And he just talked about kind of his process and his evolution from being, you know, a Daily Show correspondent to kind of now being his own entertainment comedy um, company or empire. So super interesting, really motivational to me and inspiring. Um, and then always I'm always watching the cooking shows, whatever new cooking show there is, I'm probably watching it. So. But that's all I got. Sound like some good deals. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I like it. I like it. Um, so get rid of one, and it is my turn. So I think this one, I'm doing this one because it's relevant. Although, like we talked about la uh, last week, 
Um, you know, I always want to make it hard to pick, but I have a feeling I know you're going to pick. But so we're going to get rid of one, and we're getting rid of one, much like the WWE got rid of most of them. But it's getting rid of the Undisputed Era. Oh, and we're talking about Adam Cole, baby. We're talking about Bobby Fish. We're talking about Roddy Strong, and we're talking about. K-O-R, Cool Kyle, oh wait, no, sorry, Cool Kyle O'Reilly no longer exists, Kyle O'Reilly. They all have long histories in professional wrestling and the indies, Um, so who are you getting rid of, Xander? I think I'm going to be getting rid of Roderick Strong. Oh! Yeah, I I know you didn't think I was going to do that, and here's my reasoning, though. Because I'm partial to Red Dragon, and while I know Bobby Fish is slightly injury prone, he and Kyle O'Reilly they they're they're good together. Like not getting rid of them. Like just great tag team. Roddick Strong is really good in the ring, but he is like every everything else about him is like watching paint dry. Like he is just boring, boring, boring. Like and you know I and this is coming from a guy that likes straight up wrestling. And I just can't get into him, no matter if he's in the diamond mine, if he's an undisputed, he felt out of place and undisputed to me. Like he's just, I mean, he's just doesn't, he's just, doesn't, just very, a very bland personality. And, and I don't know, I don't know him in real life. He could be a cool dude in real life. And that's what I've heard about guys like Dean Malenko, like really funny in real life. But when the red light turns on something just like stiffens up and then you know, I'm not getting rid of Adam Cole. So that's me. Roderick Strong, see you later. Man, I thought for sure you're going with Bobby Fish, but I actually am going the same way. I he uh Roddy Strong is my least favorite. Yeah. Like Bobby Fish has a lot of charisma and character and he like does. You know, and I know he's kind of a legit badass, right? Like he no, he's a, he's a, he's an actual shooter. Him and O'Reilly are shooters. Like they'll kick your ass in real life. Yeah, and so and yeah, but and I've watched Red Dragon. You know when when they're in their inception in ROH and like talk about like just a great tag team that just gels together and and it's just really good. And that's why I'm glad to see them back together. And it's. You know, there's nothing more I can say about like they're just a real good striking tag team and they can wrestle too. And Adam Cole is just like he's like just the total package. I don't care how big he is or how people say he needs to get in the gym. The guy can talk, the guy can wrestle, and you know, he's got a real punchable face. And you really actually don't like him if you don't, you know, if you're watching him, he plays a good play, does good at what he plays. So, yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Again, it wasn't the biggest surprise. It wasn't probably the most difficult one we've ever done, but it seems super relevant, especially because um, last night on Dynamite, uh, the Red Dragon shirts were in full effect. Right, right. Which I did like, so. All right, now we're inside the ring. Oh, no, we're not inside the ring. I'm sorry. Getting ahead of myself. We're walking to the ring. Yes, we are, and we ha- we need music when we come to the ring. You definitely do. So you got yours picked, or am I starting it out? No, I can go. I'm ready. So I'm right. sticking to uh, my theme from the end of last year. I'm going with 
some hip hop, some different kind of hip hop stuff that I hadn't really um, heard before, except for thanks to Spotify, um, my Discover Weekly. And this one is called Power Ups. And it is by uh, an artist called Red Gold Green. Um, and it's off the Red Gold Green LP. And it's a really cool, mellow song, really smooth flow. Um, I like one of the like one of the lines is I think it, it's like um, I was worried. It's like I was worried more about. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but basically he was talking about how he's worried more about video games in the fifth grade. And he talks about how he was getting power ups and just really all these cool video game references that really, really kind of uh, scratched my nostalgia a little bit so and it's just good it's cool beat it's smooth i like it i think i could come out to it looking super slick and fly probably wearing some you know jordans maybe some uh you know gold rope on my around my neck maybe some nice uh you know dolce gabbana sunglasses it'll be nice it'll be nice let's do it all right now. Against all society, school was propriety Used to raise my hand but the teacher kept ignoring me More concerned with the fifth level than the fifth grade Street fighter, Mario Kart and streets of rays Became the only place I learned to communicate Now I'm all about these gold coins Selling all these power-ups Surviving off of mushrooms and only trying to level up Yeah <laughs> Now I walk in the malls and I appear honest But they don't really know that my Metal Gear Solid Hit A, B, or Robert hit X Points are the same as long as you beat the game Life may suck but nothing stays the same Dues for life, flip a token, make a change I'm deranged, the people that see things the same I see in full color, I just choose to be green Hey, everything gets better Whatever happened way back when Now it just don't matter Everywhere I go, to finding somebody depicting on my soul Addicted to the form, possessed by the glow Never see the road, I'm already at my goal I wish you were like me, I wish you could know if you were like um, me, I've been on an Iron Maiden kick lately I, It was weird because I was talking to one of my buddies And like I had a song stuck in my head by them And it wasn't even one of their classic ones And it, um, it was Out of the Silent Planet off Brave New World Really cool song, you should check that out too but anyways, what song to play? I went back and forth between like quite a few songs. So I decided to go with this song. It's off their live album, Live in Donington, one of their many live albums. And it's called Be Quick or Be Dead. And it's a song off their album, Fear of the Dark. Really cool tune. And um, you can check it out right now. Yeah. 
Iron Maiden's cool. And um, that song's awesome. And then I believe these songs, including with our interlude and outro, will be on the brand new 2022 playlist. Am I right? It is. It's going to be a short one, though, because we're only going to have about four songs to start with. But um, once you listen to these, you can go back, review all the good songs from last year, and stick with us because every every episode we're going to have more and more and more good music that we haven't touched on before. Um, really love the Iron Maiden pick, though. I mean, I just I love anthemic choruses, single bass pedal. Right. Uh, really, really good melodies. So... And I do have to say, um, Killers is still my favorite album. Yeah, I was talking to my buddy again about this. He's like, quick, what's your top three uh, favorite Iron Maiden albums? And I was like, God damn. And like, Killers was in there along with Power Slave and Number of the Beast. Because like, Iron Maiden's got a plethora of albums. But like, I, in my opinion, those albums are their strongest efforts from front to back. They're one of those bands where like, I may not like their some of their albums as a whole, but some of their albums have like some of my favorite songs on them. Like say, you know, um, only the good die young. Like I love seven son, but like, I'm not as much as I like it as power slave or like um, fear of the dark. That's an awesome song. Not a, not a complete album. So you get what I mean. Yeah, I do. Um, peace of mind is okay too. Yeah. Peace of mind is good. Yeah. But I mean, it's crazy. Like, um, I remember one of our mutual friends, we would watch concert DVDs and I think it was, they played in like Rio. Right. And, that's, and that's other, awesome. than, other than Bruce Dickinson running around doing jump kicks off of, off of the monitors because he's only about four foot 10 and he's a Oompa Loompa. But um, the amount of people who came out to see Iron Maiden was fucking astounding. I mean, there are more people right. than live in my town, you know, it's like, exactly. It's, it was insane. In- All right, so now we're in the ring. Now we're and in now the we're ring. fired up. Exactly. And now we're ready to go. So what we're bringing to you on this inside of the ring is quite relevant to what's going on, and it's the overhauling of NXT or the end of the black and the gold. Is it out of spite or is it right? That's our discussion for tonight. Oh, wow, I didn't even mean for that to rhyme, but it did. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, why don't you Why don't you lead us off on this one? You're you're in the ring first. I'll wait for the tag. I'll take the hot tag. All right. So back. Let's just take a do a little backstory of it. So when NXT first 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 came out, they ran it like a game show type of deal, and it didn't really have any emphasis on the on wrestling. They had like they had matches, but like they had them doing these goofy like games and stuff, and like. The Daniel, Brian Danielson was on the first season of it, and they would they would um, put a rookie, you know, the rookies, and then they put him with like a WWE vet. So you know, they had Brian Danielson, the rookie who's been wrestling for over ten years. They put him up with the Miz, the pro. Anyways, so it went through a few seasons of that, not very good, but they Triple H got a hold of it, and he changed. He kind of changed the whole thing. He started getting guys from the Indies. Like you saw like guys like Chris Hero come in and then you saw, you know, people were having, it was more match-based. The lights were dim and it was just like a wrestling show. You had the Ascension, you had, um, you know, Enzo and Cass, those are guys from their farm system, you know, even, cause they even start bringing in like the um, wrestlers, indie wrestlers till a little, little later 
that's when Sami Zayn came in and Kevin Owens. And then, you get, you know, Seth Rollins from FCW into NXT. Um, the Wyatts were in NXT. And so it just, they just concentrated on like developing these guys and letting them do what they're supposed to be doing, which is wrestle. And it kind of took a, it, it kind of gained steam. And it was the, it was the show to watch if you didn't like what was going on on Raw and SmackDown. If you were wrestling fans like Bobby and I, you watched that. And then it gained so much steam. You know, these guys were going to the major roster. Some were successful, some weren't. And then now we had this thing of going, okay, we're bringing up a guy from NXT and they just get buried. So the, the, the start of the demise is when they decided to put them on the USA Network to go up against Dynamite. And while the product was still good, you could see the cracks in the armor. And then apparently, you know, Dynamite ended up winning the quote unquote war. And so Vince needed someone to blame. And obviously Triple H took the heat. And now it, we fast forward till today and the whole NXT that we've known as fans has been dismantled to what we have now is now, which is called NXT 2.0. I don't know how I did there, but you can take it from here. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's a brief, you know, a good history. And I definitely agree with you. Um, I think part of the problem go with putting the context into the run up to the change to 2.0 was they they felt that they could just put NXT up against Dynamite, and because it was a WWE product, it would it would kind of um, snuff out Dynamite early. The problem right. with that was is they didn't really do anything different with NXT. It was still filmed in the Performance Center. It still had the same snarky fans that you know NXT is known for. They just kind of moved it without anything else to go with it. And from early on, AEW, is, they, they had some issues. They had some hiccups with production, but it was always a bigger production. Right. And in the end, it always made NXT look small. And mind you, yes, and that's the next thing I forgot to bring up, is that NXT was always a developmental um, place to bring up, get people ready for the main roster. And, you know, what happened when they bring in all these indie guys, you know, they'd have these great matches in NXT, but then when you get up to the main roster, they want you to wrestle the main roster way. And either either a lot of guys couldn't make the switch or, you know, the brass up there wasn't um, high on them or something in between. And so, you know, they kind of got lost in what they were going to do. And then they started what I think what really killed them is when they started bringing guys from the main roster on NXT and that's what they could do. That was the thing that they could do to draw a rating. And those are the only times they beat AEW was when they'd have the WWE, the main roster guys there, which is a big indictment on the talent that they have on NXT, because it's just showing that people aren't tuning in to watch these guys. They're not getting that, you know, I mean, as much as we like guys like Kylo O'Reilly and Adam Cole, not many people that watch the main WWE product know who those guys are. So that had a big thing to do with it. And like you said, too, the production of AEW was just bigger. But on to moving on, I, I think this whole thing of dismantling, they, it's like I think it's Triple H was the scapegoat. And Vince let him do his thing. And, and they didn't lose in the – yeah, Triple H is not blameless in it. But to say that, he, that they had to just scrap the whole thing is to me is not the right move as well. 
Yeah, exactly. And again, it goes back to what we were stating and saying, talking about a little bit in the first half, which is like people were coming out for those war games. You know, people were right. coming out for these takeovers. It was a big deal. It was a big part of, uh, you know, I guess a premium viewing event weekend when you would have NXT having their Saturday night program. Like, right. And some, and like when you talk about like, <clears throat> Just so many iconic matches across from that brand in those events, you know, and that's what makes it sad to me because even with Chomp and everything, the War Games matches were okay, but it was nothing like I remember with Undisputed Era going up against, you know, um, DIY. I think that was right. 2019, right before pandemic. They did mm -hmm. that with some Chompa coming back from the neck injury, just like all that stuff. And they just kind of like, they diminished that. They diminished my memory of it. They diminished the value of that. It's no, like, for sure. Why would a fan who's getting into it now want to go back and go on Peacock and watch that old stuff? It's not even the same exactly. product. Vince McMahon is a spiteful guy. And um, when those takeovers would come out the day before the WWE main roster pay-per-view, I mean, you could hear not just from us, but a bunch of other wrestling fans would say that the takeovers outshine the main roster pay-per-views. And it's just like, you know, you have some guy that's stuck in his ways and he's a very successful businessman. But I think what he wants to do is not what a lot of people want to see and it's showing through the ratings. And granted, there's some, there's some diamonds in the rough on NXT right now, but it's just like, you don't know if these guys would have drawn or not because you never gave them a chance when they got to the main roster. Like, you know, you had something with Finn Balor, but he got injured to no fault of his own and he's never been the same since. And that was like, what, three, four years ago. So it's just, you got to give them a chance. And if they fail, then they fail and move on to the next guy. But to bring up a guy with no pomp and no, like, you know, build up and then just throw them out there like they did with guys like Karrion Cross and Keith Lee. And, you know, you could go down the list with FTR, which, which is moved because they don't like tag teams. But it's just these, a lot of these guys didn't really have a chance. They yeah. were set up to fail. And girls, too. What happened to Rhea Ripley? Like, she was the hottest shit. Like, right. She had so Rhea much Ripley. momentum. Yeah, Asuka, like, I granted she's won titles and she's been here and there, but she wasn't the buzzsaw that she was in NXT. And um, and it's just it's a shame because I, I think if they would have done these guys right, because you've seen them, how they groom certain people, you've seen what they do with Reigns, what they're doing with Breaker, what they do, what they did um, with, you know, Rollins, you know, um, they could be they could succeed. And they just they just seem to have one type of person that they want. And if you're not that person, whether you're over or not. They don't care, and they're going to squash your momentum. We've said it before millions of times on this. Yeah, definitely. And I do think it was out of spite, and I think that's why we saw Regal get the axe. I think there is a little bit of house cleaning. I think, obviously, somebody's gotten the ear in creative and with Vince to kind of bring the product this way. And, like, <clears throat> their vignettes suck. Yeah. All of the outside of the ring stuff is not very sucks. good. It like, sucks. And and part of it is because the the people, they're green. They don't know. You know the yep. best thing they do with Braun Breaker? They have them walk in through the parking lot. 
because that's about really all he can do. And maybe a little bit of scripted promos right now, you know, that's it. And, and it's and, like, and, and he's one of the guys that doesn't need that much work, you know, but there's so many other guys like, you know, for every Braun breaker and Carmelo Hayes, you have the Vart, that guy with the Letterman jacket that teaches class. You have Grayson Waller, who I'm not too sold on. You have just all these other guys like that. Just, I mean, as of as of right now, it just doesn't look good. And you know, I don't know what it is. I think I thought Triple H had something good going because that could be an altern alternative to not to watching Raw or SmackDown. It's like it wasn't hurting. And it definitely wasn't helping the main product the way they were bringing up some of these guys. And I just, I think it was out of spite too, as well. Like, because Triple H was doing, I thought for the most part, he did a good job on that. Yeah. I mean, I think far, far better than what it, to me, what it is now, because I don't think it has a big, um, it doesn't have a bunch of, it doesn't have a direction yet. But yeah. also, I mean, like, it was, they had compelling storylines. I mean, Undisputed was a compelling storyline. They had right. people, he put people where they should be in that promotion. And, you know, obviously, the Four Horsewomen, uh, they got, they obviously, I mean, shit, if it wasn't for Bailey and Sasha Banks, who knows where the women's division would have been because they, they carried it through the early part of the pandemic, you know? Right. So, and it's just like the show. And I think another thing on the, that was a detriment to the show is make bringing it to two hours, even on, even under triple H's watch because an hour was the perfect amount of time and they could shuffle through all their people that they had by the week and nobody would get stale or nobody. And then just two hours is just too much for it, for the type of show that it is. And even till this day, like there's some people on there that's people say that about AEW. There's definitely some people on NXT 2.0 that should not be on in front of a camera just yet. Oh, yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. It's like just kind of just eyeballing the the roster. You know, it's like I like Tony D'Angelo. He's a character. He's a little bit different, but it's like, I'm sorry, Von Wagner. Like, no, not not at all. You're like you're big and you're kind of boring and you know, like um, who's the guy who, who's makes the safe space of oh, Joe Gacy. Joe Gacy's all right. Cause he's, he's all different. right. But it's like, the, I just don't know where they're going, you know? Yeah. So, and, and it's again, just like, they're, they're trying to make characters with the poker player, but it's just like, yeah, you can make characters, but that doesn't mean they're good. We're going back into this like new generation occupational era. You know, you have the school guy that's running the class. You have the poker <laughs> player. It's like, you, it's like, yeah, we do want characters, but we want good ones. Like, you can't just yeah. be like, oh, see, here you go. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't. And then it's also then you have like, okay, so what care? What's the care? Like, there is no character for Walter. He just comes out no. and he fucking chops you to death. Like, He's an ass kicker. And that's yeah. and that works for him. Like not everybody has to fit in their character. And that's what they don't realize either. Braun Breaker doesn't have a character. He's just an ass kicker. Like, you know, so fit, find the ones. It's just 
I don't know what they're doing and I don't know what they're, you know, what's what the end game is either. It's still very new. But like you said, it's the more I try to watch it, the more I don't want to. Like that's where how it's going for me right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And uh, well, on that note, we can, we since can't we can't talk. talk yeah. Yours truly, Xander Hobbs. Ours truly, Bobby B in this life. And we'll see you next time. Yes, with increased bandwidth, my friends. Happy New Year. All right.